Hello, and welcome to the first annual Academy Academy, the show that discovers the absolute, undeniable, and scientifically proven greatest performance in your favorite actor's esteemed career. I'm Don Saunderson. Oh, brother, I'm Patrick Remyon. Welcome to the Academy, Patrick. Oh, welcome to the Academy to you as well, Don. And a lot of you may be wondering, who are these guys? What right do they have to make such a decision, such a earth-shattering, history-book-changing decision as deciding your favorite actor's best performance. Yeah, who are well, these? Yeah, tell us. We're just a couple of guys who love movies. Yeah, we're uh, down-home, salt-of-the-earth. We both live in a giant truck together. It's shaped like Mater from Cars. That's how down-home we are. It's beautiful. I cannot wait to talk about film with you all. And also, as two guys who live in Los Angeles, we are legally required with a, to get a new driver's license to also start a new podcast. That is true. You have to get a new driver's license every time you start a new podcast. I have 50 driver's licenses. <laughs> well, you are a native Los Angelino, or, or at least live here. Yep, I'm a, I'm a freak for Tinseltown. <laughs> Hollywood, baby, and that's what this show is all about. Yes. Now, a lot of you may be wondering... How do you narrow this down? How do you even pick an actor to start with? Well, folks, we picked kind of the grand dame of them all. You know, a lot of people say, oh, best of their generation, best of this time, best of that time. We're talking about someone who might be the best of all time. Yeah, she's a winner, folks. This is going to be really good. <laughs> Obviously, you, you probably already guessed it with an introduction like that. We're talking about this season on the Academy Academy, Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. So many performances. So many awards. I mean, I'm going to run down just a few for you right now. Patrick, are you ready? Oh, give it to me. Okay. The Big Dog. The Academy Awards. How about this? 21 record nominations. Oh, mine got. Three wins. Ooh. And she really does... I think that you're a true Academy legend when you get that kind of front row middle seat that Jack Nicholson used to have, and now it's like Meryl's spot, and they cut to her for every single reaction possible because they need to know, hey, was that funny? Did Meryl laugh? Was yeah. Meryl moved? Did, was Meryl pl politically activated by that speech? Yeah, did Meryl, uh, did Meryl uh, chortle? Did the, was, the chortle, was the chortle meter off the charts? The, ch the chortle-tometer. Try to say that three times. Chortometer. <laughs> uh, we're having fun. It's already yeah. fun. Well, she would be there for us because one thing I've noticed about her cutaways at the Academy Awards, she's very supportive. Oh, I bet. She's super supportive. Yeah. She's very, a lot of fist pumps, a lot of you goes, you know. You go, you go girl, you go man. Yeah. Yeah. All around the board. But you know what? She ain't just a regular at the Academy Awards. Yeah. How about this? Record, again, another record. Oh, God. 32 GG nominations, Golden Globes, Hollywood Foreign Press. Loves her! Uh, I'm going to throw up. It's so much. I know he wins! He <laughs> wins! Uh, stop, it's hurting me. Too much knowledge. <laughs> oh, well, get ready, because she's basically won every award you could imagine. Oh, EFI good. Lifetime Achievement Award, there Gala we go. Tributes, Kennedy Center Honors. King shit. 
Barack Obama himself awarded her with a 2010 National Medal of the Arts. I think he, she'd be a better president than most presidents that we've had. Oh, you, I agree with you 110% on that one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She'd be great. She is more than obvious as the first choice for the esteemed actor to run down on this show. Not run down in a bad way, run down in a good way, by, mind you. My, here's my question, though. Has she been slimed? Has she been slimed at the Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards? Right, I'm going to give our audience a little bit of behind-the-scenes kind of podcast gossip here. Yeah, here, give them, this, give them the soup. This is not the first time we have tried to record this episode. Oh, yeah, this is our second time. And a Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards sliming occur, came up in our previous recording as well, and I made an assumption that she had won a Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards award and had been slimed without actually knowing the facts. Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, folks, I'm going to be honest again because we are nothing but transparent on this show. Uh, give me it straight, doctor. I'm going to assume she won again. Hell, yeah. She's getting Did slimed. Did not look it up. She's, She's been slimed. She, she loved it. She was supportive of the slime. I'm looking, I'm looking at her oeuvre, and I'm assuming she got slimed for last time in the episode you'll never hear. I said she got slimed for the hours. This time, sure. I'm going to say she got slimed for her performance in Gavin Hood's rendition. The kids <laughs> loved rendition. Teens just flipped for that one. We all they, know that. They're little, they're little monsters for rendition. They loved, yeah. they loved Sotsi. They loved Gavin Hood's Sotsi, the South, the South African uh, uh, foreign film uh, win, award-winning, Oscar-winning film. And then Gavin Hood got to direct rendition afterwards. And they, the kids, um, they, they love middle brow exposés <laughs> of yes. Iraq war trauma. They really do. <laughs> God, I'm looking at this poster. It's just a uh, peak 2007. Very serious, yeah. Very serious. Uh, I love it. You can buy it previously viewed at Hollywood Video on DVD for seven ninety nine. Yeah, <laughs> there's a pile of them in a Circuit City somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> gathering dust. Gathering yeah. dust. <laughs> Haunted by the ghost of uh, an actor who was in that movie <laughs> and died. I don't know who would be. Hopefully not Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, he's around. He's R.I.P. Around. Or not R.I.P. Uh, uh, stay in peace. I hope stay you're in. in. Yeah. Stay in peace. Keep, rock, keep, keep rocking. Keep on sipping. That's but anyway, this, this show, Patrick, and I want to make this clear to you and the audience and to myself, we're not all about jokes here. No, 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 no. I'm an adult. We're adults. We're film fans. <laughs> we, we're trying to look at this in the most, as I mentioned in our introduction, scientific way oh, yeah. possible. And... What is the most scientific way to decide what an actor's greatest performance is? Uh, I would say through some sort of um, uh, tournament, perhaps, some kind of a, you know, objective, uh, totally, uh, uh, what is the term I am looking for? When it's like, it's like, it's all out there. Uh, it's all, it's Patrick. all... What? You're two. You're two steps from the finish line. You're talking about an NCAA basketball tournament style bracket. Oh yes, that is it. That's it. And, ladies and gentlemen, we're looking at sixteen films. Yes. Four regions. Yes. One ultimate winner. Oh hell yeah! And when you're doing a bracket format, 
Mm-hmm. And you and you're dealing with somebody like Streep, who's been in dozens upon dozens of films, and you have to narrow them down to sixteen. Obviously, we're not going to get them all. No, no way. There's a bunch of uh, you know. We're going to have to miss some of the ones that you know maybe you consider. Maybe you're uh, sorry for that sound you just heard. Jesus Christ. Uh, that will never happen ever again. Uh, yeah, you know you're going to miss like you know Deer Hunter might not be on this list, but guess what? She wasn't the star of Deer Hunter, you dingus. <laughs> yes, and please, though, let us know uh, if there are ones you feel super-duper strongly that we missed, because we are open-minded. This yeah. is science. We always are up for looking at new facts, new, ex- new um, discoveries, and we might be missing what could be the best so we'll keep looking but as it stands now these 16 we feel are representative and wide-ranging of her versatile and lengthy career yes also please don't like murder us because like we didn't include her cameo and stuck on you in this bracket or just like you know just please please just we try hard we're trying hard i'm sure she was great but it's just not enough. It's just not enough. You can't, you know, I know stuck on you. I know you've stuck on you heads, all of you. You live it. You're living in your own dust in, in a hovel somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't. That's not true. Stuck on you fans are probably very cultured. Normal. Normal. Very, folks, norm, yeah. very normal. <laughs> They're not living in their own dust. I apologize. Yeah. Not like the hills have eyes or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, moving forward, before we get to the bracket, which I know everyone is on the edge of their seats saying, what are the regions? What made it? It's, you know, like the countdown show when they announce the basketball teams that make it in the, 60, the pool of 64. We just wanted to jump in and give a little bit of um, our backgrounds with Meryl Streep. Yes. And Patrick, I'm going to set it up to you. Um, what are your... Do you have any fun memories, first memories of uh, Meryl Streep when you first discovered her work? I'm, like, so glad I get asked this question again because I think I wasn't, like, super prepared mentally when you asked me last time. And I think I literally said last time that, like, uh, my only experience with Meryl Streep was, like, her cameo in the end of AI. (laughs) Just, like, such a, like, piss-poor answer (laughs) considering how important of an actress she is. So I will say that there were some other films that I remembered seeing uh, uh, that she was in besides that. Like, uh, one one that I totally forgot about for some reason until you uh, brought it up later on in the episode you'll never hear is uh, Adaptation. Man, Mm. she, like, killed it in that. Uh, That's, like, actually, I'd say that's that is my favorite Spike Jones movie. I'll say that. Mm. I think I've, although I love Anomalisa, I don't know. I have to think about it. Maybe I take it back. Maybe I take it back. Um, but, uh, and then also, uh, you know, I've seen, a, there's a couple other ones I've seen of her. Like I saw Lemony Snicket in theaters and, you know, she was fine in that. Lemony Snicket is definitely like a weird, I feel like that movie is almost like a spiritual successor to the Adams Family. Like, just, like, that same level of weird kookiness. Like, that same level of, like, yeah, like, and, like, a lot of physical props and weird costumes and whatnot. Big performances. Um, yeah, very big performances. Uh, not saying it's a great movie, but it's, like, I don't know. I'd let a kid watch that. Uh, and then uh, I think Hope Springs was the other one. Like, I remember watching that with my uh, my family a few times. And that's just, like, a good middle brow. You want to see... Uh, 
uh, Meryl Streep and Tommy Lee Jones give each other funky stares. Like a lot of like <laughs> a lot of like Tommy Lee Jones with his uh, newspaper giving you like a dead a, a deadpan look. Uh, yeah, that is the movie for that. Um, yeah, great cast, yeah. great cast in that one. Oh, big time. Also directed by the person who directed The Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> a reunion. My boy David Frankel. <laughs> I'm pronouncing that wrong, probably. probably. That sounds good. We'll discover that at some yeah. point during the show. We, okay. you know, and we're not going to apologize if we mispronounce. We're going to be trying our best, respectfully trying our best. But yeah. sometimes you just screw that kind of thing up. Yep. I will say I will go on YouTube sometimes and look up the names of like, like I did that with Chuatel Edgiafor. Yeah. I was like, I want to know how to pronounce this guy's name properly. And so I went on YouTube and literally like. Watched a guy say Chuatel Edgia for for like two minutes <laughs> just so I could get it right. When I was in college and first got into like French New Wave movies, I was obsessed with making sure I had all the directors' names mm-hmm. correct because I, you know, pretentiously thought that would be a good conversation starter with like <sighs> cute art film girls or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> You know, didn't work. Didn't work. <laughs> you know, it's actually pronounced uh, Jean Luc Godard. <laughs> People love that. People oh, yeah. love that. Yeah. Oh yeah, I know they love it. They love it. I, you know what? I would like it. You would have. <laughs> you would have gotten me, baby. Oh great, great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, no. So you're you're saying you're you lean toward you lean hard on adaptation, and I have a feeling a lot of people feel that way about mm-hmm. that film you know spike jones um charlie kaufman oh yeah cage. you know is cage that obviously yep. you know just kind of a peak film of that era and very uh, important film to a lot of people kind of discovering film around that time too and she is really wonderful and warm in that film oh yeah she was wonderful and warm and she's like i feel like she's an underrated part of that film like all the love goes to, I think it goes to, like, Nicolas Cage. You know, fairly. He's amazing in it. But then, like... Uh, oh, Cooper won. Yeah, the Coop. That's the thing, too. Coops. Yeah. So I was going to say Chris Coops. Uh, he's he, great. He's great, too. Uh, but uh, I think I think Meryl Streep... I think I remember Meryl Streep's role in that more than Chris Cooper's, honestly. I like... I like... I like. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like Chris Cooper, but I think, like, I can't really... The only thing I can remember about him in that movie is he pulls out his teeth. That's, like, literally mm. the only aspect <laughs> of him. I don't know. Yeah, but it's a good, but yeah, no, yeah. Good film, good Good film. film. Well, my start with Streep came, I'm a little bit older than Mm -hmm. my co-host, Patrick. So I'm looking more toward the late 80s, early 90s when I first kind of saw Streep. And the first, you know, she was always kind of in the ether. Mm -hmm. She wasn't making, like, to my, like, 8 to 10-year-old eyes, she probably wasn't making a lot of films that were going to really, like, pop out at me as like, oh, that's a must-see. They weren't going to like supersede Jurassic Park or something less like that. Um, but my first real remembrance of her was actually 92's Death Becomes Her. Uh, mm. But that one was kind of, I was kind of not coming at that knowing Streep as well so much as uh, it was directed by Robert Zemeckis and like any child of the 80s, I was a Back to the Future freak. Oh, loved yeah. all of them. They're so good. And uh, co-starred uh, one of my absolute favorite actors at the time, 
uh, Bruce Willis. Yeah. Because my, my dad had shown my brother and I Die Hard when we were far, far too young to see Die Hard, but we were kind of irrevocably changed. Like, Disney movies were out, and all we wanted to see was, like, <laughs> John McClane jumping off of buildings and killing terrorists. <laughs> uh, but Death Becomes Her was not uh, a Die Hard film, by any means. Right. And, you know, so that one was a little, like, what was that? So the first one that really, like, I saw and I loved and I, you know, got a copy of on video and watched many times was actually 1994's River Rafting Thriller, The River Wild, directed by the great Curtis Hansen. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, do you know this movie, Patrick? I don't at all. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I sort of know it, but I don't really. All I know is, like, the uh, poster. Yeah, it's got a great poster. And basically it's, you know, Meryl Streep is a experienced and um, great river rafter. Mm-hmm. And she goes on a vacation trip with her, her son and kind of her nerdy husband, who's played by David Straithern. And wow. they are accosted by a couple of bad guys and taken hostage and take, made to take down the river, uh, but who are played by Kevin Bacon and John C. Riley, and is just a uh, taut action thriller if I, I remember correctly i've not seen it probably in 20 years but um mm-hmm. but i remember being very impressed into my like die hard loving eyes that was a lot closer to uh my tastes at the time and you know as i got older and my tastes became a little more diverse and versatile um i was checking out her movies pretty regularly because she was always in kind of the big or one of the big like academy style movies where she was nominated and once she got hooked on the idea of trying to see every one of the movies before oh. the show uh you were seeing meryl street movies just a guarantee oh definitely 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 especially if you're like yeah if you're a film buff you're gonna be watching a couple street films you know no most deaf oh absolutely absolutely and you know she's just one of these actors though and this is something that i've been thinking a little bit about just she doesn't like when you're young i think you kind of latch on to actors who kind of give you a kind of expected persona when you yeah. see a movie like i obviously like i love i loved and still love harrison ford but like when you see especially like an eight, 70s or an 80s or even in the 90s harrison ford movie mm-hmm. you kind of get what you kind of you know who you're who you're getting right that and Meryl Streep, though, is so versatile, and she worked so hard, especially earlier on in her career, to take wildly different parts. Mm-hmm. Parts that were going to challenge her, parts that were going to, like, surprise her audience. But I think that caused people to not get to know her as well. That's true. She doesn't have that, like, yeah, because she is not... She doesn't, yeah, she does not have a, a specific persona associated with her body of work yeah she's not a harrison ford she's not a paul giamatti or even like a philip seymour hoffman i would argue has that as well a little bit like there is just yeah no i i would definitely agree with you on uh on some of that because it's just she uh, especially because she's so prone to kind of drastic look changes drastic Mm -hmm. accents um, you know, it wasn't kind of, she wasn't riding on the fact that she was a movie star. She was an actor. Oh yeah. And she's like, yeah. And she's like a, 
Yeah, and she's like, yeah, she's an actor and a chameleon. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I was just going to say the same damn thing. So I, I, I was literally hey. just... <laughs> gray minds, gray minds think alike. Yeah, baby. <laughs> but yeah, and I think the one name that came up uh, when we've been talking about her is kind of the comparable actor we thought was uh, Christian Bale. Yeah, who I... I not, not totally there, but kind of comparable. Oh, definitely, in the sense that, like, Christian Bale is, like, he will disappear into a role... And there isn't like a, a, maybe you could argue there is one, but I would argue there isn't like a bail persona people are looking for when they see a film. Like the, people aren't seeing, you know, American, uh, what was that movie? He was an American uh, Hustle. Hustle. Yeah. Like people a, aren't, yeah. A couple yeah. American films. <laughs> yeah. American Hustle, American this, um, and then Ford versus Ferrari. Like those are two. Yeah. It's like light, night and day, those characters, as opposed yeah. to like, yeah. Uh, I think um, Ford versus Ferrari was so refreshing in a sense because it felt like that was almost the closest to him yeah. he's ever been on screen. Honestly, that is true. I was thinking that like that is like the best. I think that is like the the most bail you're ever gonna get, like in terms of like his sheer personality or like a film that's just built around him. But beyond that, like yeah, you don't get that many insights into that guy, and you don't get that yeah. many insights into Meryl Streep. No, no, not until later when she kind of became this kind of uh, legendary in her time person, you know, like we were saying, the person who's like the kind of like grand master of the grand ceremony master of the Academy Awards and kind of the, you know, there's always like the funny thing, like when somebody young, especially wins an Academy Award or wins a Golden Globe, they like will thank, they'll like go around the table, kiss their partner shake their Asian's hand, shake the director's hand. Then they make a pit stop over to Meryl just to say, got to kiss the ring almost. <laughs> to, uh... <laughs> I did not know that. That's they do that with, they only do that with her. And I've seen they've started to do that with DiCaprio. Weird. Interesting. DiCaprio. Yeah. You got to go to, got to go to the biggest stars, the big stars. Yeah. The, the, the Decap. Oh yeah. man. I never... Not, not a Leonardo DiCaprio podcast though. This is a Meryl Streep podcast. We want to yeah. make that extremely clear. Wolf of Wall Street, more like uh, the Wolf of August Osage County. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that came out. That was definitely not at all uh, labored. <laughs> that was a entirely smooth sing- thing I said. Sing I said. It's entirely... Yeah, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> there we yeah go. you could could have simply said the Wolf of Silkwood, but no, you went, nope. you went hard. You went tough. Nope. I went hard, and yeah, sorry, in that moment, uh, Jim Carrey from Bruce Almighty took control of my body, uh, and I had to yeah, say It happens things. to the best of us. Sometimes you just get Bruce Almighty, and it sucks. <laughs> I hate I hate working at this Buffalo newsroom with him, <laughs> and they won't let me leave my job as anchor. Yeah. I'm, I'm stuck but here. <laughs> again, though, not a Bruce Almighty podcast, although I'd be interested. Oh man, if only. I I will say that like I saw I was watching clips of that last night just because I hadn't seen that movie in a, such a long time and that used to be one of my favorite comedies of all time and that movie is so watching it as an adult it is so mean it is just a cruel movie it is just a cruel movie about Bruce Willis being a cruel Old Testament God who does not or not even old, Morgan Freeman or Bruce Willis well it's Morgan Freeman was God but then he gives uh, oh shit. Uh, I meant Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. God damn it. Bruce Almighty, Bruce Willis. Uh, uh, but uh, I, he did it again. Uh, but uh, Jim Carrey gets the powers from Morgan Freeman. And he's such a 
Yeah, he's not even like I wouldn't even say he's an Old Testament god because he he doesn't work with like logic. He's like he's like Dionysian. It's like birth <laughs> of tragedy shit. There's no there's no meaning. It's like Oedipus, man. It's all chaos or Antigone. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna be honest. I, I I've never seen it. Oh, we should so, okay. maybe next maybe next uh, or maybe that's a Patreon. I don't know. Yeah. We need to go back. We need to go back. It's a Meryl Street podcast. It's a Meryl Street. We, uh, to get to a Patreon though, we do need to finish the first episode. <laughs> no. Oh no, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're toast. But we will because this is Meryl Streep we're talking about, and guess what? We're here. We're at the mm-hmm. moment. Yes, everybody has been waiting for. We're going to be running down the brackets. Oh, I cannot line up that you will be listening in on, being a part of, screaming at your iPhone saying why, why when your favorite movie doesn't and performance don't make it through, or you know, high-fiving your significant other or calling your parents when the performance does make it you're, through. You're, you're calling your dad. You're telling him my favorite movie's on the bracket. Your dad is, is he's pumping his fist. He's so happy for you. He's at the docks with his fellow stevedores. The other stevedores, they find out from him. They're all pumping their fists. You it's... all grew up watching Florence Foster Jenkins together. <laughs> you're in, yeah, you're at, the, you're at the docks in Baltimore. You're in your little West Baltimore house. You know, you and uh, the, the, the Polish boys on the street used to go uh, on into your the house. The cast of The Wire Season 2. <laughs> yes, the cast of The Wire Season 2. You're all, that's a big plot in, uh, that was a big um, plot in Season 2 of The Wire was everyone's love of, Lawrence Foster Jenkins. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, David David Simon used to be a reporter, so he knew what the real stuff was happening. <laughs> Everyone in America needs to know these stevedores love Meryl Streep. And so do we, folks. That is what we like to call in the business, a transition. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. much like the NCAA tournament, our bracket is we are breaking it down in four separate distinct regions. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are done by territory in the NCAA tournament. We thought we'd have a little bit more fun here, and ours are themed. Yes. So, we're just going to go one by one through these matchups and let you know what you have to come. In our first region, accents. We all know Meryl Streep. One of her claims to fame, one of her greatest skills, is of a master of accents. Oh, yeah. It's a, she's a regular... Pistachio Disguise, of Master of Disguise, for all the people who watched that film uh, when they were ten, like I would, like I did. <laughs> and this uh, this bracket is, I'll, I'll just say this bracket is stacked. Oh yeah, it's, we're looking at big matchups just down the line. It's starting with starting with our first matchup, which you'll be hearing in next week's episode. And this is a hard-hitting matchup of two very, very similar movies. Julie and Julia Mm. versus Sophie's Choice. Oh, hell yes. Two favorites. Julie and Julia, a very popular picture. Sophie's Choice uh, led to Meryl's first win in the Best Actress category. These are like both films I have never seen, but I want to. I, I wanted to see both of them for very different reasons, and it is like they're they are so they're so different. It's gonna be interesting to see how those two like. Uh, it's almost like comparing. A, a, at least it feels like it's comparing apples and oranges a little bit, don't you think? 
I agree 100%. I think outside of the fact that she is in them and she is doing accents in them, these couldn't be two different movies. Oh yeah, most definitely. But both, I, I, I've seen Julie and Julie. I have not seen Sophie's Choice. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Obviously, it has such a great, um, you know, prestige behind it. Alan J. Pakula directed it. Who oh did yeah, many of many of our favorites. You know, all the President's Men or a Parallax View or Clute. Um, mm. Photographed by Nestor Almendros, who shot Days of Heaven. Um, so it's got a lot going for it. Kevin Klein is also in it. Oh, I love it. And, uh, Peter McNichol, uh, for all you, uh, mm. oh my God, for all you, uh, Harvey Birdman attorney at Lawheads, Peter McNichol, he plays X the Exterminator in that. I don't know why I know that. That's a problem that I know that, I would argue. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, That's like a, there's like a part of my brain that could have <laughs> gone to like, I don't know, uh, remembering uh, Spanish from high school or uh or math problems but nope <laughs> yeah. it's uh peter mcnichol facts <laughs> <laughs> and uh that sophie's choice is up against julia and julia uh favorite in my house one of my wife's favorite films we've seen it a handful of times over the years uh my wife's review of it is very simple uh simple though it is more julia way less julie mm, yeah no offense to amy adams yes but we want that Julia Child action with Meryl Streep. Yeah, no, like here's the like, like Julie's the bread, Julia's the ham. You don't need a sam a ham sandwich for the bread. You don't. Yeah, I don't want to. I'm not. You know, it's not. You're not putting. You're not using ham slices as bread. You gotta. You gotta use the ham. You gotta get the more ham on that sandwich. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> and I uh, just wanted to bring it up again. I believe we mentioned earlier, but you know, just to reinforce it as we're going through these. We are basing this completely on performance. Oh, 100%. So quality of film matters far less than quality of Meryl, if you want to put it that way. Yeah, no, it's all about, yeah. Like, there are movies where there's a good performance, you know, stuck in a turd of a film. It's like finding a, you know, a gold coin in a, 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 a drawer of poop. And, uh... You know, like, you and just, there like, are a flip side of that terrible performances in great films. Yeah, it's like uh, finding a coin, and then when you look closely, there's like a little chunk of poop on that coin. A little bit of poop on there. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of poop on that coin. It's like, uh, what is this? Uh, that, uh, what is it, Ass Pennies? Is this a freaking uh, Upside Citizens Brigade sketch from 1998? Get this out of wow. here. A classic sketch. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But then, I. I think that this first round matchup is going to be, this could, I mean, you know, I might say this a couple of times, but this feels very Duke Kentucky to me in terms of, if you want to compare it to basketball, when we're looking at two big time competitors that could take it all the way to the finish line. Mm, they could. I, I, you know, I will say, Never watched a game of college basketball in my entire life. <laughs> I'm a, which is depressing, probably. That's not depressing. That's fine. But uh, okay. So if you're it, keeping score at home, I have not seen Bruce Almighty, and Patrick has never watched a game of college basketball. <laughs> Cultural which, blind spots. Also, uh, <laughs> which one is married? Think about <laughs> that for a little bit. <laughs> uh, it'll happen one day. Or me. Uh, let's see. You'll uh, find that fellow uh, person who's really taking an intellectual look 
at Bruce Almighty. Yeah. I'll- I'll be uh, I'll be at the bar with my uh, reading the, uh, the 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 little booklet that comes in the DVD of Bruce Almighty, and then a lady <laughs> or, will or say, your own self-published three hundred to four hundred page expose. Oh, and you bet it's a it's a, something I self-published on Amazon and I printed it out on uh, printer paper. Some call it an intellectual critical study. Some call it a manifesto. Yes, and you would think it'd be, uh, you'd think I'd be using the Comic Sans font, but no, I'm using the Jester font, baby. Yeah, because it's funny regardless. <laughs> it's very silly. It's a comical font. But uh, that's our first week matchup. I am really, really excited for that one. But further down the line, a few weeks down the line, also in the accents round, we got a big one here. Ooh. The Bridges of Madison County versus Out of Africa. Man. Wow. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Out of Africa seems like such a... uh, That is the movie for me uh, that I've never seen it, but it always looked like like Oscar bait to me. Like, I feel like that's like proto-Oscar bait. Yeah, it kind of seems to be hitting all those notes that we kind of expect and maybe feel a little snarky about in 2020 when looking at uh, Oscar bait films or, or films that are, like, pretty active in their attempts to win Oscars. Oh yeah, no. This yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, it's. I, it's definitely not like a film that. Do you think? That, okay, so here's a question. Uh, you might know this. I probably. It's probably uh, unknowable. But like, were they like designing? Because I feel like nowadays there are films that are like designed to like win Oscars. Like they're literally like. It feels like they're just made just to get like X person an Oscar, or, like get this company an Oscar or whatever. And maybe I think that's- that there is in the corporate end certainly when it comes to that. I think. Um- you know, from what I understand, if you're not making a kind of blockbuster type film, mm-hmm. you better be winning awards or else you're not going to be making very many more films. Right, right, right. And I was wondering if Out of Africa was like the first, like, if this was like, if, this, if that was, if that mindset had already started at that point or if that only came later on. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, I, part of me thinks, you know, it's a Sidney Pollock directed movie. Robert Redford is co-starring with Meryl in this one. And yeah. Redford and Pollock had a long and storied um, relationship of films prior to Out of Africa. And they're all, you know, kind of classy, kind of, you know, adult drama kind of things. Right, right. And I think that at the time that this was just kind of, it was more just kind of middle brow taste. Okay, I Rather than the actual drive for what, you know, for the Academy Award. I'm sure they all wanted them. There's no question oh, about that. Yeah, yeah, but. yeah, yeah. But it wasn't like a cynical thing at that. Or maybe not as cynical as it was as it is now sometimes. I don't think the industry is the same. The the Oscar industry wasn't the same then as it is now. Right, right, right. I will say another thing too, Robert Redford, uh one of the few old redheads where the red hair doesn't look weird. Yeah. Gives me hope as a redhead that <laughs> that well, one day I can be a 70-year-old man with red hair and not look like a total monster. <laughs> he rules. I mean, he has very good genes, but he rules. He does have but good again, genes. But yeah. again, not a Redford podcast. Meryl Streep. And out of Africa is up against Bridges of Madison County, directed okay. by Clint Eastwood. Directed by and co-starring Clint Eastwood. That just sounds like a Dolly Parton song to me. I don't even, <laughs> I don't even I've never seen it. I don't know anything about this movie. Do you know, do you, were you around for the sensation that was the book it's based on? Do you remember not, any of that? Not at all. Not at all. Uh, at every, pretty much every mother in the country, I think, read this book. 
when it came out. It was the big romance book of its time. And it's a, and I remember seeing it. They had, when I was a kid, I saw they had this, just this palette of them at Costco, which I went over there. It was an unforgettable sight to see that many copies of that book. It was huge. It was just an absolute cultural sensation. And um, by all accounts, it's a terrible book. Oh, I bet. Um, as but, a lot. Th- yeah, that's kind of the apparent miracle of the film, that the film is quite good. I have not seen it yet. I'm a big Eastwood fan as a director, but um, I've not seen it, but it's apparently quite good. And I'm really looking forward to this one. I'm excited. I'd be, I'd be down with it. I love, uh, I think Clint Eastwood, like, you know, his, like, I think the thing with him is, like, his output has been so crazy over the past two decades that, like, his the quality of his films have kind of, like, diminished a little bit. They're, Although, they're all over the place. Yeah, they are 100% all over. But, like, man, when he's good, like, I'll tell you what. Yeah. I fucking love Richard Jewell. Yeah. Like, yeah. that movie fucking slapped to me. I'm not saying yeah. it's a perfect movie, but, like, it definitely has issues. Like, there's characters in that movie that do not work at all, but, like, the two core performances in that, like, the Sam Rockwell, Paul Walter Hauser, yeah. like, those are so... So if you can, like, if they can, like, you know, if you can pull that out of Meryl Street, like, that energy or whatever, I think he, I think it'll be good. And, like, you know, also, uh, I'm trying to think of, like, what else, like... And eh, never mind. I don't know what else. Well, saying. it's it's a, it's an it's an interesting film too because it's it's you know from what I understand it's a pretty straight up kind of romance film. Ooh. And um, obviously Clint Eastwood is not particularly known for his um, romance, yeah. Either <laughs> as a director or really as an actor, being very much of a romantic lead. Oh, totally. Yeah, uh, like his... he's uncomfortable around women in films at best. <laughs> Oh, a hundred, yeah, dude, yeah, because, like, uh, that's why I, like, went, ooh, like, a Skeksis a minute ago, like, yeah, the notion of, like, Clint Eastwood trying to, like, show any emotion, like, him trying to be vulnerable will be interesting to watch because he's such a, like, oh, he's just, he's such a, I mean, I love his acting. Like, he, yeah, me too. But he's a wooden plank of a man. Like, he's, he's, like, he's interesting. I'm obsessed with that era of actors, and we watch, like, a lot of, like, Burt Reynolds movies. Oh, and Bert is like the exact opposite because Bert is all warmth and all welcoming, and he's oh. like, and even Jen was like, oh, "I see it. I see where his kind of like <laughs> charm in a way." He's but, fun. but yeah, he's really fun. He's like kind of a rascal. Clint Eastwood's not a rascal. Oh uh, no! Like I said, I I think like a, a like a two by four, like a piece of wood was cursed by a witch to live as yeah. a man. And that's handsome like, man. oh, handsome, handsome man. man. It's a great. It was a great curse. Like the witch backfired. You know, witch. Got one of the best, uh, <laughs> best names ever. Oh, Clint Eastwood. Hell yeah. No, I mean he's like born for what he does. Oh, a hundred percent. A name like that. Yeah, and I'm not like I'm not denigrating him saying he's a piece of wood cursed by a witch. I'm just saying that like uh, he's like uh, I just think he's like he's kind of like stiff and like very like maybe it's like he's like very like, it's almost like he's like a British like. <laughs> professor so like he has some of that like weird like he's like a headmaster energy like he's always his back is always straight up i don't he's know super tall too he's a big yeah. guy i've never seen him like relax i feel like he's never relaxed that's it well folks if you want to see us start a patreon where we just talk about clint eastwood please uh let us know because i think we have a lot to say on that area too but um <laughs> we gotta move on with uh move on with streep into the next region and this region is all about kind of showing a different side to Meryl Streep. Love it, love it. Her comedic side. These are comedies. 
oh, get out your red honking nose and honk along, folks. Yeah. And from what I read, she actually made a pretty significant decision toward the late 80s to seek out comedies mm, because yes. she felt she had kind of, since her career started, um, specifically taken on the kind of, for, for example, Sophie's Choice or Out of Africa. Right, 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 films, right. Pretty exclusively. Like, yeah, adult films or mature, yeah. rather. Yeah. And, you know, I think she wanted to mix it up. And she also, I, obviously, there's a um, commercial aspect to comedies, especially back then, that um, was pretty untapped. And kind of just get away from being kind of the serious actor and being a little bit more, like we were talking about earlier, almost get to know her a little bit better, like loosen up, basically. Yeah, exactly. So our first round matchup is a, you know, I like to call this one... Um, the South of Heaven matchup. She-Devil versus The Devil Wears Prada. Uh, two devils. Two devils. Uh, both uh, with causes? Um, but uh, yeah, no, I'm excited. I want to see, I haven't seen either of these movies. They're both- You've never seen The Devil Wears Prada. Wow. I've never seen it. I've never seen it. I was- it's, uh, it's kind of the one on the list that you circle as the one everybody's seen, I had thought, but this is exciting. I've, I cannot wait to pop that uh, visual cherry. That's yeah, I think that this is exciting on. because you're, oh yeah, that is gross. That I is gross. Get, I'm never going to. We, we, we should cover that. <laughs> that is gross. I'm never going to say that again. I'm already ashamed. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say something about your virgin eyes, but that's also inappropriate. Putting the bag over my head for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> but, um, yeah, obviously Devil Wears Prada was a massive success when right, it came right. out definitely kind of i would say the film that oddly enough kind of solidified streep as kind of a bankable star and kind of transitioned her into that phase that legendary phase that phase kind of well we kind of know what we're getting a little bit more a little right. less chameleon a little bit like oh she's just her thing is that she's this kind of broad actor right and it's like yeah. not to denigrate the performance though oh no 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 well, I also think too, it, like it solidified her, like uh, her, like uh, later career. Like, yeah, it's a thing where, like, she's always going to be the first person for those type of roles now. Any yeah, it's, film, it set the tone. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah, and, and that's also like who else is in that movie? It's like Anne Hathaway, I believe. Anne Hathaway, and um, it's the noteworthy when you watch it, you'll see it too. It's kind of um, Emily Blunt kind of steals the thing. She's about the third or fourth. Fifth uh -huh. lead in the film, and she hadn't really broken in the states yet. And it's a uh, it's a very memorable performance that kind of you. A lot of people kind of said, "Oh, I'm going to keep an eye on her." Nice, that's good. I like I like Emily Blunt. I feel Me like too. She hasn't gotten that like a uh, big. I feel like she hasn't gotten that movie that's elevated her to like like she should be on the level of like Leonardo DiCaprio and like. Uh, I'm trying to think of like I guess like Anne Hathaway is probably is she like do you think she's on the same level as Anne Hathaway or she's a little lower I would argue right just in terms of pure pure popularity I'm talking about I'm thinking in terms I think like almost like Meryl Streep you know Emily Blunt is someone who can do Mary Poppins and Sicario within two years of each other and that's Fuck. extreme differences and pulls in cinema then that's yeah and see that's almost like a little bit of a downside to her too because she's such a chameleon that it's almost like the like jason clark do you know that actor yeah i'm, I'm a fan of his i love jason clark but no. i feel like it's like he he's such a chameleon too that like i think he's like never gonna 
he's, he can kind of fill any role. And as a result, like he's just, uh, I mean, he's, he's always going to be working, so it's not a bad thing. Yeah. Maybe in some I mean, ways I, it's the dream. It, you know, I th- yeah, I mean, especially when you're like character actor like him. Yeah. I think that just being able to be yeah. slotted, slotted all the time. I mean, I think I, Emily Blunt's obviously a much bigger star. I mean, she played oh, for Christ's yeah. sake. <laughs> but, um, no, 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 she is. She is. But I, I still just don't think, like, I don't think my parents know who Emily Blunt is, yeah. if that makes Even though they've seen her, even though they've seen mm-hmm. her, I just don't think, uh, you know, we can go down. Maybe we'll do Emily Blunt next. Maybe yeah. that's, <laughs> I can, she has 16 films. We can. I think you also came up with another wonderful segment. We can um, ask if, if my dad or your parents have heard of them, and we can judge their star factor in that area. That is... Hell yeah. I love the idea of calling my mom. She's probably watching like Ted Lasso. <laughs> I'm just, I, I haven't seen it, I, I, but I like Sudeikis. I will say I saw four episodes last night with my parents and it was, it was okay. It was fine. It's like, okay. you know what? He's, he's getting, he's getting bread, brother. That's, yeah. all, that's all I'm saying. Get that bread, Ted. Get that I saw bread. him outside of the Los Feliz 3 one time with his kids. He seemed to be having a nice time. Nice. I saw. Uh, never mind. I'm not going to say who I saw. Okay. Let's okay. Go. <laughs> hey, we're, we're, we're not name droppers. On yeah. Here. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't want to kiss little butts. I want to kiss awards. <laughs> Indeed. The little, the little butts on awards. I want to kiss that uh, Oscar butt. And a quick. I want to do a quick shout out on the She Devil. Here we spent a lot of time on Devil Wears Prada, but She Devil. I've not seen it. I distinctly remember the video cassette cover at the video store, co-star the, um, what does put it, you know, bit, you know, controversial. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Is Meryl's co-star in that. It's a broad comedy, but from what I understand, um, pretty subversive. Interesting. Yeah. No, I imagine. And I think like, it'll be interesting too, to see, uh, Roseanne, like playing a character that's not Roseanne. Which I feel yeah. like there's not a lot of movies I can think of that like start. It's like this one and fucking the cartoon Home on the Range. I think this is the only two <laughs> movies I can think of that had Roseanne in them, uh, not playing her titular characters. That'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm real curious about that one. Uh, my wife uh, gave a passionate monologue about it a few weeks ago that really piqued my interest. It was a very positive monologue, but she remembered it quite well. So I'm, I'm looking forward to diving in on that. It could, who knows? Could be a dark horse against Devil Wears Prada, which I mean, just based on his sheer popularity alone, Devil Wears Prada is an immediate contender here. Oh, definitely. I will say too, that I love the, the tagline on the poster, revenge is sweet, uh, ellipses and low period. <laughs> And then uh, I also love the she-devil, like the art on this, like, you know, the S has little horns, but then the L is a tail. It's a little devil tail with a forked tail. I love it. Listen up, Madison Avenue. Can we get some advertising like that on our movie (laughs) posters these days? That that level of creativity is what we're after. Come on, Clint. Make all your L's little devil tails. (laughs) The mule with a little devil tail. (laughs) (laughs) The mule. Revenge is sweet and low. <laughs> I wanted, I'm gonna start photoshopping all of those movies with that. I'm gonna yeah. find that. I'm gonna try to find that font later. Uh, it must exist online. The She Devil font. Yeah, I'm sure it does. Some, gonna, uh, some enterprise, enterprise, enterprising internet goon made it already. Oh yeah, little little online goblin. Thank you, little yeah. goblin. Um, on the other side of the comedy bracket, 
we got a big one here. I, okay. I know I've been saying they're all big ones, but this one, I, I'm very excited for this matchup. Uh, we have Albert Brooks's film, Defending Your Life versus the aforementioned Death Becomes Her. Ooh, I cannot wait to watch Death Becomes Her. I think this is going to be very tight. Death Becomes Her has its fans. Let's be honest. It's a cult hit. And I think, you know, the only thing maybe not its favor is it's more of an ensemble piece. Oh, yeah, definitely. She's not, yeah, because it's like she's sharing the lead role with Goldie Hawn, essentially. Yes. And to a lesser extent, Bruce Willis. So, yeah, that'll be, yeah. Oh, and Isabella Rossellini. I forgot Isabella about that. Isabella Rossellini, yes, also in the film. And, and the incredible special effects. Yes, I will say, so I've never seen Death Becomes Her, but I remember my art teacher in second grade lended me, like, one of those, like, you know those, like, big books they used to make that were, like, uh, they were, like, thin hardcover books, and they would just have a bunch of pictures in them. And it was, like, one for, like, special effects. And oh, just, yeah. And I just remember, like, seeing, like, the picture of Meryl Streep's head being turned around and being like, this is the coolest thing ever. Uh, I hope, like, at first I thought it was real, I think, maybe. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, but, uh, but uh, it was, yeah. no, I'm, I, I've always had a fascination with this movie because it seemed huh. like, yeah, it's just, it just seems like a weird off-kilter thing. And it's, like, the type of thing that is so, it's, like, the type of, like, heavy visual effects, but not even, like, I mean, that's obviously special, probably like 3D stuff too, but I, I just, it just seems like the type of movie they wouldn't make anymore, basically. Yeah, because it's, it's obviously, it's heavy visual effects, star-filled, almost certainly very expensive. Oh, yeah. Like, and, but not based on anything, no pre-existing IP or anything like that. And, you know, and we talked a little bit about this before, but um, kind of, this is Robert Zemeckis' M.O., Oh yeah. Way is to continue to try and like make these almost like you know he's not making a Harry Potter, he's not making an Avengers, he's making kind of weird movies, but on the budget and scale of those other ones, and he's been riding the Forrest Gump wave for almost thirty years. Oh, a hundred percent. Like it's all just like every it's like Forrest Gump and Castaway. Like all the movies he's made are because of the love he had. For those and bad boys. Back to the Future, even before that. But yeah, oh, he's yeah, always yeah. been a visionary when it came to effects. But I think, it, you know, at least upon the recent output, I'm excited to see what he does in the future. But the recent output certainly has been the effects dominating the story. Yeah. And it's also like, uh, hopefully, I want to see movies from him in the future that aren't based on like really good documentaries. That's true. He got <laughs> into that too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, uh, get, out, get out of Marwood. You don't need to. Yeah, the Man on Wire one, two. Oh God, yeah, we're like yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is playing like, French. Yeah, like just Pepe Le Pew accent, just insane, yeah. an insane movie. I mean, was it was made. like the yeah, the effects were awesome and cool, but it's, um, a, it's a good. It's not. It's not like the worst movie. It's it's like I watched it and it's fine, but it's just like a crazy. I think it is just a crazy thing to make. I think I the know. difference is you watch the Man on Wired. Uh, like my reaction was, I watched the Walk, and I was like, "Wow, that was really impressive how they did all that." I watched uh, Man on Wire. I was crying at the end. I was like, "That's beautiful, and <laughs> it's a work of art, and oh, all yeah. this kind of stuff." Uh, yeah, and it's just, I guess, what kind of reaction you want to have when you watch a film. Yeah, that's fair. That's a good. You know what? That's a good, reasonable. And I think like with Zemeckis too, it's like, yeah, it is kind of like a VFX like demo sometimes. Or like, and not maybe not that, but like, it's like she's showing uh, what you can do in the, with the art form and technically. Yeah, yeah, 
And uh, that one's up against, I think, a really excellent film. Um, Albert Brooks is Defending Your Life. Uh, Albert Brooks makes great movies, and he made great movies. And, you know, if you have the Criterion channel right now, depending on when this comes out, they just put them all on there and highly recommend diving into all of them. Uh, this one is a, you know, kind of a bigger concept. You know, we're talking afterlife film and, you know, all sorts of really interesting ideas. And Brooks is at his peak and he's teamed up well with Streep in this one. And I think it's, uh, it's real delightful. And I think I think it's going to provide an interesting matchup against Death Becomes Her, which I think, you know, if I'm looking at the numbers right now, is the Vegas favorite. Yeah, that might be the Vegas, Vegas favorite, I would say. Uh Big and vague. Uh, Vegas, <laughs> uh, my short, cute name for Vegas. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, you know what? Uh, Albert Brooks is someone that uh, I, you know, lo- Broadcast News is an incredible film. Uh, mm-hmm. But I'm like very, like, I don't have a lot of, like, reverence for him. Like, I've just never been a huge, uh, just because I haven't seen a lot of his oeuvre. Uh, you know, I've, I, I liked him in Drive. I liked him in, uh, and he's fun in uh, This is 40. He's okay in that. Uh, that's a shaggy long film. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I'm curious to see it. I'm excited. I think Death Becomes Her is kind of like the, the lead, but spending your life, we'll see. Maybe, who knows? Yeah, we'll decide. And of course, as we've mentioned before, it is based on performance. It is not based on film. Oh, yeah. It ain't. So moving on to our next region. Okay, we've already got, she could do accents. She's mm. funny. You know what else she can do? This lady can sing. Oh my can sing. And this category is dedicated to Merrill's musical works. I'm I'm excited. I want to see some. I like I I I like a good musical. I like a song and dance. I'm excited. Like one of my favorite films of all time, freaking Cabaret, baby. Oh yeah, yeah. And I mean, I don't know if any of these match Cabaret, but we'll see. I hope so. It'd be cool. It'd be a nice surprise. It would be a nice surprise. The um, first matchup in the Sings region, it's a big one. Hmm. One of Merrill's biggest hits. Oh, yeah. Mamma Mia versus Into the Woods. Oh, man. Into now, the Woods. Patrick, Mama what Mia. are your backgrounds with these films? Uh, I will say that uh, I haven't watched either. Into the Woods, uh, I've always wanted to watch it because the Johnny Depp wolf character, like that looks like the dumbest fucking thing on the planet. And I think that'd be very fucking funny to me. Like, I think that's like, gonna that'll bring me much pleasure. That'll be like, I feel like that's like an under, I'm going to predict that's going to be like an underrated uh, member of the Johnny Depp, like acting, like the weird, like, cause I feel like he's kind of like, Depp is kind of like Cage in the sense of like, like he has just a bunch of insane performances under his belt. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't think he's as interesting as Cage. We can get into that another time. Oh, no, I he's think not. it's an interesting yeah. conversation to have. I think, <laughs> but, uh, no, but I think he's no like hero a... like Cage is. Oh, fuck no, no, no. He's not a, he's definitely not a Cage, but I think he just has like, uh, there's just a lot of weird fucking performances, that dude. I'm suddenly swearing a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's just a bunch of weird, uh, like his, like, I think it's like ever since Pirates of the Caribbean, he's, uh, you know, a movie where like, he famously made a crazy decision to like, I'm just going to like, you know, pretend to be Keith, Le- uh, not Keith, Keith Richards, Keith Richards. Keith. Yeah. Keith Ledger. <laughs> That's uh, the fusion, the horrible 
the fly machine fusion of <laughs> Keith Richards and yeah. Heath Ledger. Uh, man, uh, that wouldn't be fun. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Uh, but uh, uh, I think he's just had a bunch of like, uh, ever since then, he's like taken, I think, more weird liberties with his performances. And as a result, uh, you have some like really odd later depth. Uh, just like, yeah, like uh, from Secret Window to uh, Rango. There's just a lot of weird depth performances yeah. that are fascinating. Yeah. I always really wanted to see him put his, all the effort that he puts into his makeup and wigs and accents and stuff like that. You know, like playing a part, like playing a um, single dad who's just trying to be good to his 13-year-old daughter or something like that. <laughs> and with like a regular job who's just trying to get by. Like a very like grounded movie. But with all the effort that he puts into all that other stuff. Oh yeah, like he's, yeah, and he's like, he's acting like... Making big moves, but he's, yeah. <laughs> He has like the, the, the Charlie Chocolate Factory like murder smile. Yeah. Just like hello. <laughs> yeah, he, you know, he, he's, he's, he's a wig actor. Oh, but, totally. Um, Lives for the wigs. But um, I, I've seen Into the Woods. Mm-hmm. I saw it in the theater when it came Interesting. out. Interesting. Um, and don't remember loving it. I remember like I think James Corden and the aforementioned Emily Blunt are kind of the actual leads of Weird. it. Weird. Interesting. But uh, it was my first experience with James Corden. <laughs> I came <laughs> over to my wife and I was like. Who is that guy? How did he get this part? <laughs> Don't you know that's uh, All or Nothing's James Corden? Yeah, he played. Yeah, a- I, I just watched. <laughs> I just watched that film. Really interesting. Yeah. I, he's he's actually good in that. I would. Yeah, argue. it's a good film. That is kind of like that. Might, that, uh, that, that oh man, uh, that might be Corden's peak. Uh, not yeah. to be me. <laughs> he should go back and work. He should go back and work with Mike Lee now. Yeah. Go um, back. Oh, yes. Give me yeah. an All or Nothing to... And that kid just had just like three heart attacks throughout the film. Yeah. And then, um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it was not have a huge impact on me. It was just kind of, it was, it was, I think it was like peak movie pass time period and the theater two blocks from our place took movie pass. So when we ever, we was like, Oh, what are we doing tonight? I don't know. we go, use the movie pass right. so it didn't have a huge impact on me but i i'm looking forward to giving it another try and seeing kind of maybe coming up with a definitive thought on it and also focusing on her performance within it which it's such an ensemble piece that um i don't really remember much of what she did in particular yeah that'll be interesting yeah because maybe yeah if she especially like i think it should affect the uh I think the amount of time you are in the film like should to a certain degree affect our Yeah. I mean uh, yeah. I think that, that that could come up unless it's a real impactful Yeah type thing that really just takes it over the top. And yeah, I mean, we'll see. Yeah, like unless it's like a Manchester by the sea Michelle Williams. Yeah. Yeah, yeah where you get one scene that like kind of knocks it's like a grand yeah. slam like, like type scene. It murders you. You know, like uh, Ned Beatty and Network. Oh, I don't know if you know that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, boy, that's the good shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, what else? What are what are the guests like? Viola, a... Viola Davis in a film we're going to talk about. Yes. Uh, how about uh, Chris Walken in Pulp Fiction? Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. I would I would go with that. God, can I can I name another one? No. Yeah. 
<laughs> you can if you come up with it. I, I'm going to talk Mamma Mia while you work on uh, figuring something out. There's another one in network, too. William Holden's wife won the Academy Award as well. Oh, you know for what? For one scene. Uh, I will say uh, Vera Miles in uh, what's that fucking movie called with Dustin Hoffman and uh, John Voight? Midnight Cowboy, where she plays the older. Oh, oh yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, I think that's Sophia Miles. Sophia Miles, shit, yeah. my bad. Yes. Yeah, yeah, who John Voight's like first um, John. Yeah. Oh, yeah. also the second the, the Bob Babylon. It was a young Bob Babylon. Him in the bathroom. Oh yeah. The one where he, back when he looked like Rick Moranis. If uh, any of our listeners have top of the line single scene scene stealers, you know, hit us up. We want to hear more. Give us your little. I'm sure there's a lot out there. Oh yeah. We, we, but uh, you know, we're kind of burying the lead here because Mamma Mia. I I haven't looked at the numbers. I probably should, but I can take a guess. Mamma Mia is either one or two among Meryl Streep's most financially successful films. Oh, 100%. Here, I can even, uh, I'm not going to pull up if it's like her most finan- financially successful film, but I can definitely give you a good, uh, give, give me, me a those run. numbers. Give me those, give me those sweet, numbers, baby. Those, those sweet, sultry numbers. Ooh. <laughs> 615.7 million. Daddy wants it. That is like Ant-Man numbers, my friend. So oh, we're yeah, talking totally. big hit. Oh, yeah. No, this- I haven't seen it. Um... Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to kind of be a little vulnerable here. Mm-hmm. Um, it all looked very strange to me. <laughs> like, oh, totally fair. I mean, I think, uh, I mean, I yeah. think a lot of this film is like relies on a huge nostalgia for ABBA, right? Yeah, I, I think so. That. Also, and it has... I don't have any nostalgia for ABBA. Do you? <laughs> not at all. Not at all. But it's, you know, I'm, I like them. It's not bad music. It's fun. And then uh, also this has uh, supposedly like one of the dumbest Pierce Brosnan performances in the history of cinema. So it'll be fun seeing that person be goofy at the very look at him. Uh, if you look at him on the poster, though, what I really admire is that he's into it. Like he's oh. not uncut. Like, you, you had previously mentioned, like, uh, we talked about these before, um, Russell Crowe in Les Miserables as being oh. kind of at that same level of strange casting for a musical. Yes. Uh, he seemed uncomfortable. Whereas uh, Pierce Brosnan's kind of like letting his freak flag fly a little bit and kind <laughs> of is really feeling it. Oh it yeah, seems, at least based on these stills I've seen from the film. Oh no, the still these stills, no, they are lively. Oh man, yeah, I will say, he's happy hey, to be there. He's happy to be there. Oh, 100. And who is this guy stepping on the glass? What is? I can't even. I want to. Damn it! This is such a. This, <laughs> well, Wikipedia, we will find out and let yeah. you all know. I, I'm just going to say a complaint to Wikipedia. Your poster of Mamma Mia too small, my friend. I tried to. <laughs> I tried to maximize it. This is at most. 300 by 200 pixels. Do better, Wikipedia. We're trying to cast surface <laughs> assumptions about this film. <laughs> Please, <you're> Wikipedia. Ma- <laughs> you're making it difficult for us yeah. podcasters. I think that this episode, the Mama Mia in the, in the Woods, is going to be an exciting one. Like, we'll put it that way. Oh, you yeah, know, it'll be fun. That'll be fun. Mama Mia is either going to surprise us and one of us will come in and I have a new favorite movie. Or it'll just be a train wreck and we'll see oh, yeah. what it is from there. But again... Not about the film. We're going to be judging Meryl. And she's, I think, nominated 
Yeah. For and, that and, one. And she seems like a good singer, so I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I think that that's going to be a fun, must-listen matchup. Um, on the other side of this region, you've got uh, two lesser-known films, but I think two valuable, uh, interesting contenders here. Uh, one is Ricky and the Flash, and the other one is Florence Foster Jenkins. Mm, yeah, this will be good, I think. Uh, I, you know, uh, have you seen either of them? I have not seen either of them. I have not seen either of them, no. Yeah, no. I'm I so, like that we're coming into this so fresh because I think we're gonna come in without any, like, pre-existing like, um, you know, favoritism. Oh yeah, no way. It's all a hundred percent objectivity, baby. I'm like a, a computer uh, that has been erased of all knowledge of anything, and uh, it'll only be. I'll only look at a. I'll, uh, <laughs> I will absorb a, a Meryl Streep film, and I will print out of my mouth. Uh, what is scientifically the best result? A lot can be said about my co-host, but one of them that you could never say is that he is biased. Oh, no, I've never had an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Until now. Until, Until now. Until now. <laughs> Until now, baby. <laughs> but I, I'm looking forward. I, I tried to go. Ricky and the Flash, unfortunately, did not do very well with the theater, and I was. we were trying to go see it because we're – Jonathan Demi fans. It's just what I believe his last narrative feature film. Right. And, you know, interesting, kind of very uh, smaller scale, comparably, is certainly to Mamma Mia and Into the Woods. Um, and even Florence Foster Jenkins to an extent. Um, but I think it looks, I think it's going to be a real surprise. It's going to, maybe secretly the movie I'm looking forward to watching to the most. Yeah. Out of these 16 movies. Just on a pure movie level. Interesting. Yeah, I would say, I don't know if it's like the one I'm most excited about, but there's definitely like things that like draw me. I love Jonathan Demi. I'm a big fan of Rick Springfield. So that'll be a yes. lot of fun. I love a, a Rick's and it's like he's, he hasn't been in like he's basically like it feels like he took like 10 years off of acting or 20 years and then he came back with like this one two punch of True Detective season two. And yes. then uh, Ricky and the Flash and it's just like, and has he done anything? Watch them both back to back. I'm sure they match up quite well. Uh, it's like a, it's a visual palindrome. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Um, what do you, you know? I think that maybe he's got like the. I, I hesitate to call it the stench of one hit wonder because Jesse's Curl's a terrific song, but um, <laughs> you know, I think that there is a like people don't might have difficulty seeing beyond just that one hit single. Totally fair, but I, yeah, 100%. But I think, like, I don't know, it's like, I think he, for me, there is just, like, a place in my heart where, like, it's like Chris Isaac, or, like, there's, like, a, or David Bowie. There's, like, two or three, I think there's two or three, like, musicians that are also actors on the side sometimes that, uh, mm -hmm. I don't know, that I'm always excited. Like, my ears perk up, my ears, my eyes, my eyes and ears perk up whenever I... Maybe uh, David Lynch should have cast Rick Springfield in something that would have helped. Ooh, that'd be sick. Haven't uh, I don't know. I haven't yeah. seen. I you know what? I'll be real. I I'm not a huge. I like David Lynch, but I've only seen Elephant Man, Blue Velvet, and Mulholland Drive. Those are the mm. three. And I've seen maybe like the first two episodes of uh, Peaks. Twin Peaks. Yeah, Twin Peaks. Yeah. Which I need to rectify at some point. Yeah. No. I mean, I'm not a David Lynch show. Uh, I've seen them all. And could talk about them, but uh, <laughs> no, we're again, not, not a David Lynch show. No, we're talking about Florence Foster Jenkins. Florence Foster Jenkins. 
uh, have not seen this film, uh, you know, it's gonna, this one looks interesting. It's not necessarily like, from what I understand, tale of a um, bad singer. Yeah, just like a, a notoriously bad uh, opera performer. And I think she's very wealthy too. And yeah. Yeah. And they just, uh, I don't know if it's like one of those things where they're trying to, it's almost like a Don Quixote type thing where they're trying to make it seem like she's good. So she doesn't like the, the dream doesn't die or whatever. I don't know. Um, I get this one and, you know, to step away a little bit from our earlier conversation about talking about Meryl Streep's, you know, mysterious versatility that she had early in her career. Forrest Foster Jenkins strikes me as something that like, I'd almost expect from her. Yes, at it this is. page, like on the flip side of that, which, you know, she still definitely does a lot of things that do show that versatility, but kind of you see, hear about this idea, hear about kind of the person who could play this part. You're like, yeah, that's her thing. She'll get nominated. Oh, that's, 100%. You know. And it's also like, you know, it's an Oscar nominated, like a director who's perennially, his films are perennially uh, included in Oscar conversation, Stephen Frears. Mm, yeah. yes. and, also, um, and then you got uh, Hugh Grant as well. Interesting. Hugh Grant and one of the Big Bang theorists. Oh, I'm yeah. If not mistaken, is involved it, too. It, it ain't the Bazanga kid, unfortunately. It ain't Bazanga, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah you, missed, you missed out. And ain't, ain't, there's not going to be a, a scene <laughs> in Florence Foster Jenkins where J- Jim Parsons comes out screaming yeah. Bazinga and then everyone is just like hooting and hollering. Yeah. And laughing. It's like losing yeah. losing everything when they yeah. hear that Bazinga. All the all the all the upper crust people lift up Jim Parsons the <laughs> the show the, the show fades to black and there's like a little paragraph where it's like Jim Parsons would go on to star in the big <laughs> the big theory. <laughs> yeah, not, the, the the etymological origins of Bazinga is yeah. uh, really looked at in Florence Foster Jenkins. It's kind of like at the um the the Queen movie, Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh god! How it yeah. kind of is like they're like playing. Oh my god! I think you might be onto something, Freddie. <laughs> Tr- truly, I believe this is a Bohemian Rhapsody. I, I wait a second. Don't don't don't. I think I could say another one bites the dust there. <laughs> Mate, you're onto something. I think you might be onto something. I think we might have another hit single. <laughs> We're calling yeah. it Killer Queen. That uh, would be so funny if there was a terror movie about like, I'm really guys. I've been in the lab for months, years. All I'm trying to find is the goofiest word to express delight or surprise. What can we do? And it's the journey to the word. Oh Bazinga. yeah. <laughs> Bazongers? No, damn no, it. no, no, no. Just like throwing. I already work around the clock. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, honey, come back to bed. You're scaring the kids. No, I have to figure this out. Lost my damn family for this word. <laughs> Lost a finger. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it got really dark. Got really into Adderall. Yep, it was bitten off by Golem. Okay, <laughs> I don't know why I said that. But I think uh, I think this matchup's going to be interesting. I am. I definitely want to come into this thing though. Despite all my misgivings, our jokes or misgivings or misapprehensions about Florence Foster Jenkins, you know, we're definitely going to be coming into this thing as open-minded as absolutely possible. Yeah, I think it'll be, that's the thing too, is like, if we're doing this, you have to be 100% 
open and you have to be treating it 100%. Like, you know, because, like, you wouldn't want to fucking listen to us just, like, rip on shit. Like, fuck no. that. Like, no, nah, like, we're treating it seriously. Yeah, I mean, we, yeah. we come off as jokesters, but we are treating this quite seriously. Yeah, we, we're big fans, and we want to see these... We, I want to be surprised. I want one of these films that I haven't seen to be the one that takes it all the way that really like, oh my God, I came out of this with a new one, a new uh, one of my new favorite movies. Dude. Yeah. Like if like fucking she devil or Brid the bridges of Madison County, dude, I'll hoot and holler. I'll be so happy. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I want to, I want to, I, I'd love it when I, a thing I think will be bad turns out to be good. Like I remember like two or three years ago, I saw the movie drumline with Nick Cannon. Mm. I thought that movie would be absolutely like, it's like, this movie's not going to be good. I know it's going to, and man, drumline whip. That is definitely the best thing Nick Cannon has ever done <laughs> in his life. It's, it's, a, yeah, it's a lasting reference. So it's definitely a film that has stuck around. Oh, a hundred percent. I love me that drumline baby. And also stars the dude in those seven up commercials. <laughs> Orlando Jones. Orlando Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Cut, cut, cut from Magnolia. Really? Um, oh, yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah, there's a tire subplot, but not a Magnolia podcast, a Meryl Streep podcast. Oh, yeah. And we're moving on to our final region. And this is kind of a heavy hitter region. We'll just put it that way. She's known for accents. She's known for comedy. She's known for her musical chops. But what's the thing that you think of the most when you think of Meryl Streep? Probably the Academy Awards. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. As we mentioned before, she's been nominated for a few. How about 21? A record. record, And she's nominated all the time. So Mm -hmm. this category contains two wins and two nominations. She's won three times. Sophie's Choice was placed in the accents division rather than the academy division simply based on the fact it's one of her most famous accents. Hell yeah. You know, and I think this academy division, though, is not lacking despite not having Sophie's Choice in the mix. The first matchup is a big one. I've been saying that about all of them, but we picked (laughs) picked a really good actor here who's got a lot of good movies. (laughs) Um, That's true. They're all good. We can't help it. It's not our fault. Yeah. Hey, don't blame the messenger on this one, baby. Don't shoot the messenger. Uh, first round. First matchup. Academy region. Hmm. Kramer versus Kramer uh, versus Doubt. Wow. You heard that right, folks. And this isn't two separate movies called Kramer. <laughs> <laughs> that are just totally like one's the the origin of the Seinfeld character, the other is the uh, money the money guy, the money, money guy. Jim Jim Kramer. Oh <laughs> uh, yes, Jim. Uh, both yeah. played by Meryl Streep. Oh my God, Meryl versatile, Streep. versatile. Meryl Streep in a bald cap and a goatee playing Jim Cam- Kramer would be amazing. I think she. How could- much? How much money would you spend if they made a two uh, two and a half hour fake? biopic of the character Cosmo Kramer played by Meryl Streep. Dude, I would... Wait, so are you asking how much I would spend to watch it? Or how yeah. much... Yeah. Oh, I mean, I would pay... I would pay a 20... Like, a, a an expensive ticket. Like, I would pay, like, a an Alamo Draft House ticket to watch that. Mm-hmm. i buy maybe some cheese fries and a couple beers during the movie. Oh, 100%. I would have... Yeah. Uh, uh, they're hot pretzel. It's so good. Mm. Oh, yummy. Miss, miss, miss you, miss you, Alamo Draft House. 
<laughs> I think uh, so here. Yeah, miss your loss. <laughs> Very uh, expensive evenings. I saw Ford versus Ferrari there. We spent too much money, got a little tipsy, but it was great. Yeah, that was the last the last movie I saw in theaters was at the Alabama. I saw Extraordinary <laughs> there, and then I had a friend who called me and told me I should get toilet paper, and I was like, ah. That was bad. <laughs> I at first I was like that's kind of silly, but then I walked into a CVS, noticed that the toilet, the CVS had like half the toilet paper missing. Was like, oh wow, that's never I've never seen that before. So I very quickly got some toilet paper, and then on the Wednesday of that week, quarantine began. Yeah, that was that. <laughs> Tom Hanks got it. The NBA stopped, and that was that. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and our lives have never been the same. <laughs> And they never will Seriously. be. Seriously, yes, well, all true. <laughs> no, we're we're, rec- we're, <laughs> we're poisoned forever. It's like not like, hyperbole. Yeah, it's like uh, what happened to the our grandparents during the Great Depression is happening to us right now mentally. <laughs> um, yeah, not a political or social podcast. <laughs> um, uh, let's move on. Let's move on. We're, we're having but, fun. Uh, we're having we're fun. talking Kramer versus Kramer versus Doubt. Uh, Kramer vs. Kramer is a big one. She won Best Supporting Actress for that. We're going to have, I imagine, quite a um, spirited conversation about this film. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, there are a lot of aspects to it. I saw it recently. I won't delve too far into it, and I plan on watching it again uh, before jumping into this. There are a lot of positives about this film. Yes. And there are more than a few negatives. Oh, 100%. It's one of those movies where I remember I watched it in high school, and uh, at the time I liked it, but, like, definitely, like, looking back on it and then, like, reading, like, I read, like, an, uh, an article in Vanity Fair that maybe we'll go into when we yeah. do the podcast. Uh, like, take a look at a little bit of the background because it yeah. does affect her performance. Oh, 100%. Uh, you know, for better and for worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is like, yeah, it is pretty well. But it's an interesting, and it's at the very least, it is like, I feel like you have to do it. It's almost like, I would say, like, if there was like a Meryl Streep canon, like, if there were like four movies that were considered like the, the, the four tiers of Streep or the four pillars of Streep or whatever, I feel like Kramer versus Kramer might be one of them. Yeah. Oddly, though, the, you know, this is not her movie. Oh, no, not at all. It's the Hoffman. It's a Hoffman film. Yeah, it's it's a Dustin Hoffman, you know, centric for film. And we'll talk about that more as we get into it. You know, she is in the beginning and then comes in really big toward the end of it. Oh, yeah. And, and has a few major, major league scenes. Yep. She kind of knocks. Yeah, it's like, yeah, like what we said earlier. She comes in and just crushes it. Yeah, and so I'm, I'm really looking forward to talking about that one. I think um, that one feels to me like one of these teams that's either they're in it, they're a Final Four mm-hmm. type contender, or they could flame out really early. Oh, yeah, they could just uh, – their, their, their wheels on their plane roll off and they <laughs> comically never leave the landing strip. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to taking a look at that again, especially so recently after I just saw it. You know, within the past month, um, that one's up against Doubt, which is mm. uh, stacked. Yes, yeah. we'll just put it that way. <laughs> oh, big time! And I think I will say this: if I'm going to go with these two movies, I think right now because I've seen Doubt also. Doubt's like a. I think that's like a. If I was going to moneyball this. I would say Doubt might be one of the ones that you might want to, like, 
keep an eye on. Like, I think it has mm-hmm. a chance of going kind of far, just because, like, Meryl Streep is very good in this movie, I remember. She has a great, she has a great performance. And I feel powerful, like, powerful oh, film. Powerful film. And then uh, the cast is great, too. Everyone, all the main players are great. I think the, you know, and it was a play originally, right? Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I think, like, it's like the, I think the screenplay is pretty solid. I don't know. It'll be interesting to watch it again. Because like I said, I haven't seen it since high school. And my high school brain was dumb as hell. So it'll be interesting <laughs> to see like whether it has the same, if I have the same reverence I had for it when I watched it initially. Yeah, I'm curious. Um, I had the chance to see, I was in a um, improv acting class right before all this went down. And mm. one of the plays that was assigned, not to me, but to one of my classmates was a few scenes from Doubt. So I've seen it more recently, actually done in kind of amateur, like stage readings, right. and that kind of thing. And it, you know, just hearing the words as a play, it comes off as very, very like a play, theatrical and that kind of thing. So I'm curious if the how the film, yeah, you know, it's been a long time, how the film utilizes its cinema mm. aspect of things, and kind of if. You know, I mean, obviously, Meryl Streep and Philip Seymour Hoffman are, you know, the premier actors of their generations, minimally. Right. And premier theater actors on top of that. So I'm very excited to get back into that one, take another look at it, and see how it matches up with Kramer versus Kramer. Same. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to be – it will be an exciting film. And I think, like, the thing, too, is uh, Meryl Streep is, like, 100% the star of Doubt. Yeah. And so, and it is like a tour de force performance in my memory. So it'll be interesting to see like how far can a, a, uh, an incredibly strong, almost iconic supporting role. Uh, how, how can that, will that fare against a, maybe not an iconic performance, but a strong lead, like meat and potatoes lead performance. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let's get that final two in there. Final two. Um, this one, we've got the French Lieutenant's woman. Ooh. Versus in her third win for an, and her second starring Best Actress win, The Iron Lady. Oh, man. Uh, yes, oh, man, indeed. <laughs> um, <laughs> right, well, let's start with The French Lieutenant's Woman. Yes. Um, I have not seen it. It's a recent uh, member of the Criterion Collection, which... Uh, piqued my curiosity fairly recently and I was going to take a look at it. Uh, I'm looking forward to this one. It's a rather early leading role for her. And um, we don't, we have a lot of um, kind of a 50, 50 split between kind of, you know, her super established side of things with uh, doubt and the iron lady and um, her kind of test in the waters of movie stardom with Kramer versus Kramer and French Lieutenant's woman in this region. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And I, uh, yeah, and I think it is just nice to have like a couple of films like pre '90s earlier performances just all around, all over the bracket. It's good that we have a good, a solid representation of those. Um, yeah, I'm ex, I'm excited. I, I don't know much about this movie. I know she, like I said, she was like nominated for an Oscar. Uh, mm-hmm. I yeah, but it's like it's a big old. Uh, I'm curious if I'm um, not mistaken. I'll take a quick look here. It was her first um, leading nomination. Damn. Uh, because she had been previously nominated twice for um, Deer Hunter and Kramer versus Kramer. 
and both those were in uh, supporting roles. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing this because I know it was a big test for her, kind of in the oh, you know, she's proven herself as this actor who can come in and steal scenes. Let's see her guide an entire film. Yeah, it seems like a necessary part of Streep history. Indeed, indeed. And it's up against the Iron Lady. Um, this one, I have not seen. Um, I didn't really want to see it, yeah. <laughs> frankly. And um, let's just be clear. We're, we fucking love Margaret Thatcher. Yes, we're, huge we're, fans. We celebrate her. Fans. Uh, we uh, frequently tip our hats to a, a picture of her uh, that is uh, just a giant. I just I have a picture of her. The way that some people like. She's just like scolding poor people. Oh, yeah. She, in the picture, yeah, she is scolding a. She is scolding a. <laughs> An Oliver Twist-esque street yeah. rat. Yes, who's begging yeah. for more porridge. Yeah, she's taking the porridge and... Uh, Pouring it in the gutter. In the gutter, and uh, I like that. No, I don't. She's bad. She's bad. We hate her. She's bad, and um, I have no idea if this movie is a celebration of her or if it dabbles in shades of gray. Yeah, that would be um, interesting. I, yeah, cause I think it's... I, I would like to think it's a shades of gray. I'd hope. I would hope so too. I would um, hope so because, like, I'm not against like a you know. I bet she's she's like an interesting person. Like, I don't think she you know not not you know like in yeah, the same, she's an interesting character. Uh, yeah, exactly. Figure in, figure in history. Yeah, exactly. Like, like how the like fuck, Stalin. Yeah, like, yeah, or yeah, or Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> uh, same director as Mamma Mia. I just learned that. Interesting. That's weird. Yeah, that, I like that. That's very weird. That's so weird. Um, but I think this one might be kind of the one, the kind of uh, the test on the great performance, not as good film. I think so too. I think that's going to be like a, and it's funny because she did win an Oscar for this. So like, I think yeah. like it, that, I'm not saying that like it was the best performance of the year, but I think that definitely like means like there's something there. Like they they have yeah. to there, yeah. There has to be some meat on the bones for the the Oscars to give it to her. So like it'll be interesting to see uh, how she works with maybe not the best material. Yeah, and again though, I don't want to um, make too many assumptions. We just talked about that. We've talked about coming in with an open mind and you know open ears, virgin eyes. You know, all of that kind of stuff. And um, who knows? You know, yeah. maybe maybe we're really, really making a pretty sweeping assumption here. And if we're proven wrong, we'll be honest. We will tell you. Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, say sorry. Uh, and, I, you know, I will, I will uh, render my garments. Rent, or rent? Rent my garments? Rind? What's it? What's, <laughs> render? Rind? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Ring, ring, ring my uh, there's, there's, there's a term. There's a term. It's it's a thing, damn it. Rend. You know what it is. Let us know. Yeah. Uh, rend one's garments. To tear one's clothes is a sign of extreme grief or distress. There we go. Uh, like Hulk Hogan. Like Hulk Hogan. Or the Hulk. Oh, yeah. Either way. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I, I will Hulk out if, I, if <laughs> yes. I'm wrong. Okay. <laughs> That's only but, for the Patreon, though. Yeah. Yeah, you're you going to have to pay for that one, folks. Yep. But that's our uh, 16 films. It's uh, going to be a hell of a tournament. I'm really, really excited to see where it goes. 
but something we mentioned earlier that we kind of wanted to discuss again was Meryl Streep's made a lot of movies. Mm, yes. And 16 does not even begin to cover all of her filmography or even great, truly great performances. You know, we try to be as broad and kind of all encompassing as possible. And that definitely led to a few films that were left off. And I was just going to, you know, ask you, Patrick, are there any films you're missing that you were kind of curious about or feel that you want to give a special shout out before we move forward or kind of, you know, just talk about. Uh, yeah, let me look. Uh, you know what? I will say that like, um, you know, the Manchurian Candidate is like a film that I've always wanted to see. And uh, that would have been like an, in- that might be an interesting film to discuss. Cause I know that's another like Jonathan Demi flick. Uh, yeah. Also stars a person that we were considering doing this podcast about as well, Denzel Washington, which might yes. be another one we do down the line. We might see him in the future. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, but uh, that's like a movie I would 100% uh, love to talk about, watch, discuss. Um, adaptation, obviously. Like I think yes. that, that, that would have been like a good film uh, for the bracket necessarily. Although we just don't have enough space, man. There's only so many films you can put in that bracket, baby. I think we'll be hearing from our listeners about that one. Oh yeah. And then, uh, you know, that's a, I would say there's like, yeah, that's just, there's a, the, the whole gamut. What about you? What about you? Well, there's a few. I mean, I, um, you know, I had a couple that off the top of my head, but one just popped in that I was just, I've never seen and I've always been fascinated by, and I don't even know if it's any good, but she was at this film in 1999 called Music of the Heart. Are you familiar with Music of the Heart? Not at all. Um, it's, I believe, a film just about like, um, the power of music and you know, that kind okay. of thing. Um, <laughs> just a, you know, kind of a general female driven drama. Interesting. You know, nothing, nothing wrong with that. Um, but the fascinating thing about it is directed by Wes Craven. Fucking weird. Weird. And, it's, and if you look at, I'm a, I'm a Wes Craven fan. I've seen many of his films and, um, this one is an anomaly, <laughs> as many people would know. And i very curious. I know he was in his um, you know, personal life. He was a, which is like Johns Hopkins. He was a very intellectual, smart, interesting man. And, you know, he also made Last House on the Left and Hills Have Eyes. And right, right, right. Yeah. No diss to those. Those are all, at yeah. the very least, interesting movies. Two great movies um but i'd be curious to see him with that material it's not really as merrill centric in my curiosity there the other two i had in mind are far more merrill centric uh both directed by mike nichols who she worked with a lot and yet we don't actually i don't think we have uh a mike nichols film Mm -hmm. in our bracket which is interesting because she did you know, a couple I'm going to mention, and she also did um, Angels in America, the HBO Ooh, miniseries. Yeah, that would be a fun uh, side episode, maybe. Yes, like, we might a, be doing that. Yeah, I do 100%, because I've always wanted to see it. I've never seen it. I want to see it. I've read it, but I've never seen it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a hell of a long thing, but it's good. <laughs> <laughs> and she did uh, Postcards on From the Edge with Nichols. Ooh. She did... Um, Man, yeah. Um, no, she wasn't in. For some reason, I thought she was in Charlie Wilson's War, but she's not in that one. That's uh, Julia Roberts who's yeah. in that one. 
but the two I was want to talk about were um, Silkwood was the first one. Oh, Silkwood, yes. Um, I've never seen Silkwood. I've uh, earlier performance from her. Very, very interesting cast with her, Kurt Russell, and Cher. Um, yeah, sounds fascinating, and it's like the term and kind of like the Silkwood effect and that kind of thing has kind of like, like almost like the, you know, like has in, has become part of like the vernacular in our society about like whistleblowers and that kind of thing, but um, yeah, I haven't seen the film. Yeah, I'd be I'd be curious, and then the um the only other film I would add to that list is uh uh, uh and I forgot I can't believe I forgot about it, it was, uh, Prime. Yes, which you is like a, yeah, 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 and it's just that's another interesting just because the director of that is just a uh, it's Ben Younger, and I like his work, and so I'd be interested just just the way that like Wes Craven, uh, it just it just is yeah, it's just it'll be interesting to see. It's always cool to see directors you like take on actors that uh, I don't know. It's like or styles. I mean, we we talked about it with Bridges of Madison County. Yes. Too. Exactly. And um, yeah, I, I'm excited. Uh, I that one does seem interesting. And you know, you said he did um, Boiler Room and oh yeah, he did Boiler Room and, you know, bleed, and bleed for this. Yeah, highly masculine film. Yeah, exactly. It's just an inter- Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. It's always cool. Yeah, yeah. Because it's the same thing with Wes Craven. Like, it makes you wonder. Like with Wes Craven, like, was that like a movie he did? Uh, it seems like it was like the peak. He was a, It was he. It was a movie he directed during peak Craven, arguably, right? Because yeah, the- his second his second wind. Because this was right around uh, Scream Two. Yeah, exactly. So it's like it's, it doesn't seem like a movie that he did for hire. You know. I have a feeling he had um, some pretty good juice in the industry at that time and actively was trying to get in the mix on a different kind of film. Oh, that's interesting. For the first time in his career, probably had that opportunity. Yeah. And I I just left the Wikipedia page, but uh, I saw something on it where it said that, like, it was based on a documentary, too, I think. Hmm. Music of the heart. Let me let me get back on that bad boy. Robert Zemeckis should have directed it. <laughs> I know a little bit of should have, should have given given it that Marwin magic. Yeah, could have had a little uh, a little action figure <laughs> of Steve Carell dancing around. That'd yeah. be a lot of fun. Yeah, <laughs> like, totally. an, like an Indian in the cupboard situation. Uh, yeah. Oh man, what a weird movie that is. Um, yeah. So the documentary, it's Small Wonders. Hmm. Uh, I'm gonna click that bad boy. Interesting. I love that, and it's a uh, yeah. I have nothing about. I don't know anything about this document, but it's weird. Yeah, I'm. I'm. That's int- yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited. We. I think we picked good movies, though. I think we picked. I think we have a good bracket. I, I think so too. I mean, I want to give one quick shout out to another Nichols film, to uh, Heartburn. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Is the film uh, also written, I believe, by Nora Ephron and co-starring Jack Nicholson. Damn. And uh, it, apparently, it's not a successful film, but. With all that, all those folks involved, and you know, to see Streep and Jack facing off, I'm very curious. It wouldn't be boring, like yeah. At the very least, it wouldn't be boring. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, you will be entertained to a certain extent, no matter. Yeah, I, I'd be curious to watch it as well. Yeah. Something good would come from that. Yeah, I, I know. I um, I agree. I think there's so many here, and you know, if you. You know, like Patrick mentioned about doing 
possibility of side episodes that are outside the bracket just to cover some of these films or you know we are very open if we really if the doors are rattling oh from yeah listeners or guests even who are just saying dudes i mean where the heck is rendition <laughs> yeah where the where the heck is the ant bully yes. why aren't you reviewing the ant bully they're they're currently clawing at my door like zombies. They're they're clawing. Their their <laughs> fingers are bleeding. They're begging me to do the ampoli. I'm afraid for my life. I have a crowbar, but it's not going to be enough because there's thirty of them who want ampoli and one of me who wanted to do uh, the 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 uh, 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 Julian Julia. <laughs> yeah. So we're listening. We're open. This is science, as we mentioned before. So. If there is just some indisputable evidence that there is a film and a performance that we need to take a closer look at, we will take a closer look at it as this tournament progresses. You know, we are expecting wild results. Oh yeah, we're just, we we hear you and we see you. Yes. Yeah. yeah, we like like the famous uh, whatever that firm is that like <laughs> like whenever like a a company fucks up and they come on in and they tell them to say that so that they they look like they're pretending to be uh, empathetic when they're really not. <laughs> and there will be no class action lawsuits filed against us. This yeah. will be you will be satisfied with the results, or you'll just find them as an interesting talking point. Oh, yeah. And um. You know, a lot of people have been coming up to me and asking me, okay, you get to this winner. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. How, do you, uh, how do you commemorate this? Oh, yeah. How do we commemorate we, We're going to make an award. Oh, totally. And I'm we're al- going to try and get it to Merrill. I'm also going to make a slime. <laughs> and we're gonna or s- <laughs> at least the award will contain a receptacle that could include slime. We're gonna, yeah, we're going to slime the award. And then yes. we'll give it to me. Yeah. The, we don't have to slime Meryl. We won't slime. No. Unless she wants to be slimed. Unless she wants to be. Because sliming is fun and it would be cool. Yes. But, yeah. But. But. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, this is an award we're fully and completely expecting Meryl to put on her trophy shelf next to those GGs, next to that Presidential Medal of Honor, yep. next to her Academy Awards by the toilet. You know, all those kind of things. Oh, yeah. She's, she, is, uh, she is curling her hair. She's basking in her, her awards. She's looking at her, her blockbuster entertainment award. She's mm-hmm. looking at her, uh, her Saturn MTV award. most intriguing friend from 1993. <laughs> most intriguing friend, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, that, she, that was an award. That, oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. She she got she got the awards, homie. It's good. I'm so good. But, I'm so- uh, I want um I want listener suggestions on what you feel how the what what should be included in this award. What kind of design do you think the first Academy Academy Award will go? What what, what we want to know? Yeah. So tell, please tell send us, us those suggestions. Yeah. Tell us what it looks like, and then um. Our Twitter handle. Yes. So I, at first I thought, I'm so glad we're redoing this because <laughs> I originally thought that I had gotten the Academy Academy for our Twitter handle. Turns out that's too long and it oh. would not, yeah, that would not fit as a handle. So our, our Twitter handle, it's, so it's the Academy Academy, uh, but it's our at is at the Acad Acad. 
Okay, the Acadacad, <laughs> folks. Yeah, so you go, so tweeted us at the at the Acadacad. Uh, tell us, like, you know, what the award should look like, uh, what the slime, what the color of the slime should be, what the consistency should be. Should it be edible like the Nickelodeon slime? <laughs> tell us all the films you think we are just idiots for having missed in yeah. this tournament. Ber- berate us for not including Prime in the bracket or the hours. All you, all, all you hours heads out there, I know you're listening. Just disgusting for the hours, you monsters, you weird hours freaks. And if um, anyone has any contact information for Meryl Streep so we get her this award, that would be appreciated as well. Yes, and I, pr- I promise I will inform her beforehand. I won't just slime her up front. Yes. I'll, 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 I'll bring the bucket. I'll, I'll, but we'll stage it. Well, it'll be a stage sliming. But she's such a great actor, it'll look real. Yeah, yeah. Meryl, we're with you. This is all about you. So whatever award we give you, we promise you it will not be just a out-of-nowhere sliming. <laughs> yeah, it'll um, be a... But yes, I think um, contact us on that Twitter, that Akata Cat. Yeah. Got thoughts? You'll be hearing more from us there. Uh, we're going to be setting up the other social media stuff in the f- soon, I imagine. Yeah, by, I th- probably by the next episode. Yeah, I'm excited. I feel I feel good, man. I feel I feel uh, I feel happy. This is good. Yeah. I'm really excited <laughs> to see where this goes. I mean, I think it's going to we're going to have a ton of really fun, really interesting guests who are going to be bringing a lot of different perspectives to this project and I think we're going to end up with something really interesting and I you know I guess I have to ask you real quick Patrick before we sign off uh do you have a pick Ooh. who do you think's taking this entire thing oh man you know what god I'm gonna put all my what 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 I'm gonna put all my eggs in one basket yeah I'm thinking it's going to be you know I said this accidentally last time because I misunderstood your question Mm-hmm. But I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to say, I think it's going to be Julie and Julia. I think that's going to be like the, the dark run, the dark horse. I think that's such an iconic performance. I think it's such a fun performance. And I, here's the thing. I love movies like, like I love a dark, serious film like a, with great acting and whatnot. But I think like if you're talking about repetition, we're going to have to watch these movies again and again. I think Julie versus Julia... Julie versus Julia. Julie and Julia is going to be easier to digest and watch like again and again than a Sophie's Choice or even a like a Doubt or a Kramer mm-hmm. versus Kramer. Like I think like I think that's going to or a Bridges. Uh, uh, how do you say that movie? Fully of Madison County. Of uh, I keep wanting to say Bridges over Madison County. I don't know why, <laughs> but. Uh, but I Big think like bridge. yeah. But I think just like I think watchability. I think replayability is going to become a factor into this that we probably haven't thought about. So I'm going to say Julie and Julia. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see um, kind of uh, our guests or even our own kind of uh, pre-existing thoughts on some of the films we've already seen. Um, this is going to be really interesting because we're actually going to be looking at this next week because I'm going to pick Sophie's Choice. Woo! And I'm just going big, going bold with that one. I uh, like, I'm going chalk, as they say. That, <laughs> you know? That's Batman v Superman right there. Yes, it is right <laughs> off the bat. So you're gonna want to tune into that episode because that could be the deciding episode for all we know. Oh man, we might never be friends again based on that episode. Oh, I hope not. 
Oh yeah, that'll we just hate each other for the rest <laughs> yeah. of the, that'd be such a dumb that would turn it. We probably actually get more listeners. And it's true. <laughs> yeah, we, like two two dudes whose friendship was destroyed arguing over Meryl Streep movies on a podcast over Zoom. <laughs> in the second episode. In the yeah. second. <laughs> they're 300 episodes in and they still hate each other. You know, you're hearing all over the place like Vulture.com. You wouldn't expect it, but there's some real psychological drama happening on this Meryl Streep podcast. <laughs> Every episode is like a little Ibsen play. Yeah, they hate really. each other. They 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 despise each other. But they're so committed to this stupid project. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what's the dumbest version of uh, Fitzcarraldo or whatever? Yeah. Just like just like just a commit an absolute commitment to something incredibly ridiculous. Yeah, the doc the documentary about our show is going to be called Burden of Dreams Part Two. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a that's a Werner Herzog joint. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Two men, two young men, they're podcasters. <laughs> I love it. Like it's like the grizzly man scene yes. when he takes off the takes off the headphones. He's like, I don't want to listen to these people talk about this any longer. <laughs> you screaming about Florence Foster Jenkins. <laughs> <laughs> he starts crying. Werner, <laughs> oh. uh, if you're listening, uh, we're down. Oh yeah, we're down yeah. to clown. Also, yeah, lo- make- love you and Jack Reacher, buddy. Yeah, Werner Herzog, the actor. Real strange, late career. <laughs> yeah. But again, not a Werner Herzog podcast. This is uh, a Meryl Street podcast. We're getting toward the finish line here. Patrick, is there anyone you'd like to thank? Oh, man. Uh, what an incredible show. Uh, an honor, really. I have to thank uh, uh, Don for being such a great co-host. <sighs> I gotta, I gotta thank, uh, I gotta thank our composer uh, Evan Andrew Cox, who does the song up front. Uh, so many thank yous, kiss, kiss. Uh, and then also, I gotta thank my frickin' agent. Yeah, don't forget that. Yeah, hmm, my frickin' agent. Uh, is there anyone you'd like to thank, uh, Don? Well, man, I am shocked. I'm stunned. I look out at all the other podcasts out there, and I'm like, this should be, I should be thanking you. And oh, I'm yeah. going to thank the other podcasts out there because without you, who would I be? Um, I got to thank Patrick, my co-host. Oh. He's, you know, the best. I couldn't do it without him. Um, got to thank my team. Yeah. Got to thank my, all my team down the line. Kids, go to bed. It's too <laughs> late for you. Little Don yep. and, uh, and uh, uh, Aaron. Much like George Foreman, all of my kids are named George. (laughs) (laughs) All your kids, I love that. Please have four boys named Don, or one lady named Donna, or the other way around. It's all good, baby. And most of all, I got to thank you, the listener. Without you, there would be no Academy Academy. So until next time, join us again in the Academy. Goodbye. back them dark and dusty drapes let in some light tell the billboy come get my trunk cause I'm leaving here tonight and I've packed my bags 
And I paid my bill And I'm turning in my key And if those sad souls down in the lobby Ask for me Just tell them I'm checking out this heartbreak hotel I ain't gonna live on lonely street no more no more I found a new love and a new place to dwell